Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Strand Tennis Center podcast, filled with tips, advice, tennis, not tennis, just life advice too, whatever you need. Uh, like it on YouTube, share it on uh, the podcast as well. Thank you. And everybody, welcome to the Strand Tennis Center podcast. I'm Steve Capo, your host, and we were going over Coach Thompson's uh, bio. We have him here uh, from Del Barton, and we, he wasn't even sure of how many wins he had and all this. It gets so crazy. You coach for so long, Coach, and you start to lose track. I mean... You've been coaching 31 years, it says. Over 600 wins. This says 70 ca- 17 Morris County Championships. 13 Parochial A Championships. And so there's more. Daily Record Coach of the Year 2001. Have you been more than that? Do you remember? Yes. Okay. <laughs> 2011 inducted into the uh, NJSIAA Tennis Coach Hall of Fame. Uh, Hall of Fame was. Um, but the list goes on and on. It's crazy. Uh, I could keep talking, but we're so glad he's here. I'm so glad you made the time. I know it's uh, spring break time for the kids, right? So I'll, I'll just start off all a little. I'll, I'll be all over the place. I got copious notes here, but you're in spring break now. When do the kids have to get back to start their first practice? So we start Monday the 13th. Monday they, the, 13th. the state moved back to start time, which I don't like, actually. Okay. They don't like the overlap where kids are, nice shot. Kids are uh, still playing basketball and then spring sports start. Okay. So they've truncated the tennis season, which I actually don't like. Okay. I wish we started this week like we used to. But next week, March 13th. I was thinking about that. And do they, do they truncate the season on the other side because they want them to study for exams? Or on that way? I think they try to, again, they should start later and end later to me because the weather is better. I remember playing March 1st and the snow was landing. It would be so great to start later but end later instead of make it shorter. I don't know. How would you feel about that? I agree. I think they're still going pretty late into June. So okay. that's been a controversy with public school coaches because yeah. I teach at a private school and the old schedule the state singles and doubles is the same weekend as our graduation okay and it's the same weekend as a lot of other private school graduations okay. so my players would have to choose between ah. Del Warren's graduation or state singles that's a tough decision so some of my players who felt they could go a long way chose the state singles and you know others said well I might win a round. I really don't want to miss graduation. Their parents are always like, you're going to graduation. Nice shot. But now graduation may conflict with the public school graduation because they moved the state singles and doubles start time back okay. at least a week. So I agree. I've always said, how many teams are still playing in June? Yeah. Like eight? And all of them are thrilled to be there. So I don't really see the impact. But, you know, that's easy for me to say. But... Some kids, you know, some parents don't like their kids having to choose between SATs, yeah. tennis, or graduation tennis, or final exams tennis. So it's it's a problem, yeah. What do you think about this tournament of champions change? I, I, I mean, that they don't do it anymore. I mean, I love the fact that, that the teams go down there and they compete. Uh, my, my feeling is that they just want a bunch of winners left over in the state instead of kind of one solo winner. I don't know how you feel about that. but Yeah, I was very upset about that. I mean, that was always... The highlight of our season is to be able to, we call it the promised land, Mercer County Park. We've <laughs> got to get, and any year we didn't do it, it was just like such a disappointment, right? Because you're down there with all the best teams. And we were fortunate. We won non-public A several times. Newark Academy usually wins the whole thing. We've only won the whole thing once in 2008 when we beat Westfield. Um, so, yeah, I, I was disappointed they got rid of it. I didn't agree with the rationale. Like, the same teams win it every year in each sport. Like, yeah. well... So what? Like, I agree. And every once in a while, a different team wins. So, yeah, I think that's too bad. 
so was it the top eight go down, or was it the top eight? Well, how many? So eventually you get down to um, so, so six state champs, non-public A, non-public B, mm-hmm. which I think they merged this year, by the way. Yeah. There is no more A and B because there's so few teams in um, A and B now. And then public group four, three, two, one. So it was six champs, and you got down to two, and then you got down to one, which was really neat. Um, it's great. It's just for clarity. That's why I wanted to explain it to you because some people don't know. it. I thought it was a great thing. It was a great goal for people, even local. Between Summit, Chatham, all these schools, they're all interested in getting down there. And it kind of, again, it, to me, it's the flavor of whatever you call it, the month or the year. Everybody wants to be a winner. I guess the, t- the I don't know, the powers that be want everybody to feel like they're a state champ. I think it should be one winner. If there's one winner for 10 years, it is what it is. I, I agree with you. And it's interesting. If, if you look at it, you would think tennis is a private school sport. The 17 of the top 20 are public school. And besides Newark Academy, I mean, we're up there, but we're not always like the top five team in the state. Some years we are. Some years we're not even in the top 20. Pingree, Del Barton. Yeah. After that, it's all public schools. Livingston, Westfield, Chatham. You know, there's a lot of good schools. So it's interesting. Of all the sports, you would think tennis would be predominantly private schools. But you can't make, besides Newark Academy, who does win it a yeah, lot. Yeah. After that, it's all public schools, mainly. Yeah. I would agree because you're always worried about that recruiting thing, and can, you know, private schools get all these great kids. But it's it's so ironic that that's not the case because a lot of these public schools keep those kids, you know. And uh, I think it is very fair in, in that sense. Back back to the coaching part of it all. My first main question is philosophy wise. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as more of a tactical coach, or do you see yourself as more of a strategic coach, inspirational coach, understanding what each different kid needs? or How do you think you fall on each side of that? Or is it a combination of everything? I mean, first and foremost, and I also coach basketball and soccer, um, I am somebody who's trying to develop young men. And to me, X's and O's are second. And I think a lot of coaches lose sight of that, unfortunately. And you see sort of the travel club culture (laughs) seeping in. That was close. To... uh, high school sports and and even rec sports. I've also coached rec sports too. But I think, to your question, I think I'm more of an inspirational coach. I mean, I do know the X's and O's, but a lot of my players are coming to me already with that knowledge from their private pro or the clinics that they go to. And so I try to figure out when I can motivate kids to play harder, practice harder. I mean, you have a top player. There are times where he just doesn't want to really train in our practices or play hard against a team he's supposed to beat. So I try to find ways to keep those kids motivated so when it comes time for the big match, you know, they're ready. They haven't just gone through the motion. So I guess I would say more inspirational, motivational coach. Can you give an example of that, how you keep someone motivated? That's, 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 that's a tough one. Yeah, I think I learned, and when I first became the head coach, I learned from our JV coach, Craig Paris at Del Barton, who's been there for years. He's also the varsity squash coach. I went in there as a young coach, like, I'd go to changeovers like 10 things to, that they should be doing, and I realized I'm making the play worse. And half the time, all they needed was, you can do it, John. You're fine. You can do it, Steve. Yeah. You're fine. And I try to just pump them up in changeovers because a lot of times that's what they need. They're nervous. And you know tennis yeah. is a sport that takes the fight out of you mentally. Like, you can't play well. For some reason, I can't get my first serve and I can't have forehand. What's going on? And to calm them down and fire them up, in a changeover is really all they need. Maybe give them one tactical suggestion, but 
you know, a lot of the kids already know that, at least on the team I coach. Um, so you have to kind of know. Sometimes you need to kind of give them a little kick, and then yeah. you know what? And like, hey, what's, what's going on here? That works at times, yeah. But most of the time it's like they come over with their heads down, and you got to get them yeah. fired up. Yeah, I, I've told this story before. We had a – when our one state championships, I went to St. Joseph and touching. We had a coach at one point that was the swimming coach, and St. Joe's had, you know, they won 10, 12 state championships in a row. So he was a swimmer, but he was a great coach of minds. He understood, and we were playing a match one day. We lost. It was the middle of the season, and we were driving home, and we were having so much fun on the bus or on the, the, the whatever van. He pulled over on the highway, and he just went, do you enjoy this? Like, you guys just lost. You guys are having too much fun. But it changed everything. It changed the whole season. It's noticing those moments and going, listen, this is not fun to lose. What are you guys doing? What's going on? And we were all like, oh, shit. We better get our act together. It's things like that. And I think that's the most important part of coaching. I understand when a kid is riding himself too much and when you're, he needs to be ridden and he's not working hard enough. And I think that's the balance. And I'm sure, like, when you were just coaching, when you just said you're developing young men, I, I mean, John Wooden's book, Pyramid of Success, is totally like that. He was coaching, if anybody doesn't know, he's a UCLA head coach. They've won 10, 10 NCAA championships basketball-wise. I mean, he was coaching young men, even down to tying their shoes and how the process and how you stay focused. And it's, uh, to me, that is the key, especially at this level. You're teaching people how to be men, women, whatever you're trying to do, to understand discipline, focus, and all of those things. Um, so... Being you're starting this season, all of those things, what are your usual, do you have kind of general goals or do you get specific goals when you see your team and say, we need to achieve this? Or, and then we can go tactically into this year and see what you're looking for. Do you kind of go, all right, this year we can do a lot? Or you just, are some years more surprising than others when you go, well, I didn't think we could do this and we did? I mean, how does that usually shake out sometimes? Yeah, I usually let the guys determine our team goals. I think you have to be careful when you set championships as goals because first of all sometimes you don't <laughs> actually do it <laughs> yeah, it's true um so i don't mind when they say hey we want to win the morris county championship that's fine that's something great to shoot for but i'm always happy when they choose other goals like we're not going to get one point penalty the entire season for behavior or we're never going to have to do sprints in practice because we worked hard like we'll stop practice and do sprints if they're fooling around so we always kind of say how few times can we do that throughout the year so you know did we improve did we come together as a team? So there are team goals. Um, some kids have individual goals, but I try to shy away from those too. So I let them set the goals, but I'm always happy when they come up with more team-oriented and character-oriented goals, as well as it would be nice if we won this, this, this. I had one captain guarantee we would win county, state, and conference championships in the newspaper. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, and then we did it that year. It was the first time we won all three when I coached. We had, you know... I took over, and we didn't have a very good team. It took us some years to get back to where we were, and that team actually did it. But I told them, like, you can't. Don't say that. I've told every captain since, like, <laughs> do not guarantee we're going to yeah, win it's something. It's too much pressure. No, who who needs that? It comes back to bite And then you sound cocky and eager. Exactly. Who, who needs any of that? And they, they try to trick you into saying stuff. I warned my captains, like, they're going to ask you questions that could make you look like a jerk if yeah. you actually fall for it. Like, we were playing St. Augustine in the state championship, okay. and we were up. 2 nothing. We swept the doubles easily. So the reporters started talking to my doubles teams about, oh, it's great you've won. And they're like, we haven't won yet. Wow, you only need one more. They swept our singles. We didn't win. 
And it was a great lesson to my players, like, you know, be careful yeah. how you answer questions. Do you think that's why, because I was just reading an article, Del Barton uh, Athletics is the tw- number 23 in the country in high school sports athletic-wise. Do you think that's why, why do you think Del Barton is that good in all range of sports between wrestling? I mean, they're so great at so many things. Is it because of the coaching and the character-driven, or do you get these kids already, because every time I, we've had Del Barton kids play here, every time I have a Del Barton kid play here, they seem to be 35 years old. They're so mature. They're so, they look you in the eye. They know how to talk to you. Is, I'm, keep going, is it the chicken or the egg? Are they already kind of that way? Or are they developed, even freshmen? They really learn how to just be men. They're wiser beyond their years to me. And they're still kids, I get it. What is the formula going on over there, do you think, that makes this so successful? Uh, I think it's a combination. And, you know, not to sound like a homer, but the coaches we have at Del Barton are unbelievable. They don't do it for the money. I think if you paid them per hour, like a cent an hour. I mean, our football staff, for example, the time they put in, and they were thrown to the Wolves in the toughest conference in the state. And we just don't have the same um, depth as those prog- programs. We're starting to get it. But I think how hard our coaches work, how qualified our staff is. I mean, even guys at Del Barton coaching JV and freshmen, like, played in college or, you know, are really into the sport. So I do think coaching is a big part of it. And, yes, we get very good kids. You're right. But still, there's a lot of molding that goes yeah. on at Del Barton. And I think what we have to fight is, and he and I were talking about this before you yeah, okay. came back, is particularly in tennis, like a lot of people that are good at tennis, let's be honest, can be arrogant. Correct. Can have an attitude. And if you watch my teams play, there's none of that because I'm very strict. And it's funny, I didn't have a high school or, well, my college coach was pretty tough. My high school coach didn't really stop us and we were growing up with Connors and McEnroe and, you know, chucking your rackets and people swearing and Nobody did anything to us back then, so I remembered that when I did that in front of my parents, I looked like a jerk, and I'm not going to let my guys do that. So I think, to answer your question, I think Del Barton has a really amazing coaching staff, and we get a lot of talented, good kids coming there. But still, even good kids make mistakes, right, yeah. under the wrong situation. I mean, there are kids we play against who do stuff, and if you talk them off the court, they're the nicest kid you ever talked to. Like, how could that kid act yeah. like that on the court? Well, because somebody either allowed that or even encouraged it, right? How do you establish that off the top? So have you ever, you know, how do you establish that line of saying, okay, like, what are the rules? Like, because you'll get, because you'll get a tennis player kid that say, all right, I'm only playing nationals. I don't want to play this season tournament coach. So let me do, like, where's that line? Like, how do you, do you, is there just a hard line and say, kids, Guys, you got to be at this practice. You got to be here. You got to be there. That's that's a hard balance with Del Barton, especially because when you're dealing with that kind of sport, you will be dealing with kids that are playing nationals and they want to go somewhere here and there. How is that balance? That's a great question. We're actually struggling with it as an athletic department. We've held the line. We're kind of old school. I've always held the line. I've had two nationally ranked players walk in the hallways who didn't play for me because they know. I won't let them miss two-thirds of the season. You know, we played teams in big matches and their first singles player for the other team and missed half the season and came out and played against us. I just don't think that's right. You wouldn't see a point guard in basketball miss half the season. 
you wouldn't see a wide receiver in football miss half the season. But there is a, obviously a reality, right, that some of these kids, unfortunately, I could write the most beautiful recommendation about their high school career and nobody cares. What's he ranked? How do you do in this tournament? So I have a pretty strict rule that you're not going to miss stuff unless you talk to me in advance. There are exceptions, but you're not going to miss our big tournaments. You're not going to miss. I had a player decide to skip the state sectional championship. He was thrown off the team. Well, you're going to be suspended and come back for the tournament of champions? It doesn't work that way. I, I told him in advance, you cannot do this. Um, so I've fought that battle. It's a tough battle, and it's also tough when other schools are not doing it. But we do think it's the right thing to do. But we are recognizing, hey, you got to be realistic. These kids are under a lot of pressure. So I try to work with my tennis players as much as I can. What do you think? I've talked to the UTR about them weighting high school matches heavier so the kids play them because they're all worried about their UTR. i got to get a 12. i got to get to 11, 13. I said, you know, these kids are not going to – you want these kids to play on these teams because it's great for high school tennis, and, it, it, and eventually it's great for it's, – it's great all around. What if you weight these more? So these UTR matches, instead of you winning by a certain number, your UTR number goes by up by half a point instead of two-thirds of a point or a point and a half. I think that would make these kids inspired to play because if their UTR goes up, the colleges are going to look at them. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I kind of wish UTR, you weren't punished for winning but not by enough. I know. And I then know. it makes kids afraid to play matches even though they're going to win. They don't win 0-0. So I think that's a shame. I think that's kind of ruining the game personally. But, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Well, what I think they should do, and we talked about this on the show, that – the UTR should be blind to everybody except yourself and the coaches that look at you. So if I don't know your UTR, I won't care if I'm playing you. How many kids I have that don't want to play a kid that's a point lower than them, you shouldn't see the UTR. That's a good idea. Because we were kids. Yeah. I didn't know anybody's no. US. It was too I, – I, I didn't have a phone. We didn't know anything. So if I don't see the kid's UTR and you, the recruiter, or the coach can see the UTR, then you can tell. I don't need to see the player's UTR. We right. have UTRs on Friday. How many kids are like, oh, the kid's a half point below me. I can't play him. I'm like, why? Because if I don't win in a certain – I think it's a great idea, the UTR. It's a great algorithm, but they need to do those two things, and I think it will really help the system. I agree. Yeah. So season-wise, um, how are you looking for yourself 2023? How is the – what's the line – I mean, what's the shakeup? You have a lot of seniors or you're younger? What do you think? Uh, we're excited. We have um, James Leanne, who's nationally ranked. He told me he's fifth in the country most recently. Um, he was on our team four years ago when we probably had the best team in the country. I've never had that before. I mean, everybody thinks, you know, oh, Del Barton, but actually we've always been a tennis team that's good at the bottom. We're deep. We have very good doubles, a very good third singles player. We rarely have, like, a top first singles player once in a while. That year, I had three nationally ranked players. Michael Zhang, who's now at Columbia. I heard about this, but I hate Played Wimbledon yeah, finals, yep. right? Good. Junior finals. John Wolentowitz, who's an amazing player. He's now at University of Chicago playing there. And James Leanne. And then whoever was left was vying for the two double spots. I mean, even Newark Academy is like, you're not going to lose an individual match. You're going to be great for four years. I'm like, hold on. I haven't even played a match yet. Relax. Stuff happens. Well, stuff happened. COVID, at the end of tryouts, canceled it. Michael Zhang didn't play for us his senior year. James decided to focus on tournaments and didn't come back. So that team never actually existed. Mm -hmm. 
But luckily, he's back playing this year. He's committed to Brown, and you know, at this point, it doesn't matter tournaments and stuff. Yeah. So with him, that makes us an, a top team again. You know, last year we struggled. We didn't have, um, you know, that kind of a player. But the guys who moved up from doubles played out of their mind. Like Will Robinson qualified for the Easter Bowl. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I've never had a kid improve that much. He went from an alternate freshman year to senior year first singles qualifying for the Easter Bowl and, and almost making it to the semifinals of the state singles tournament. Um, so those guys played way above their heads, which was great to see. But um, this year I think we have more depth. I think James gives us a, a, one of the best first singles players in the state, if not the best. Uh, we have two singles players back from last year's team who should be in the mix. We have another player who did not play last year who's back, who played varsity two years ago. And we have a fair number of players trying out, though numbers are down. I mean, tennis is just dying. We used to have 60 kids try out. How many do you think you're going like to have? 30 kids are trying out. Last year, we didn't cut anybody. I actually told my JV coach, you can't make any cuts, so we won't have enough players for a JV team. Jeez. It's so weird how that's happened in tennis. Like, everybody's specializing. We used to get that kid who, like, played at his parents' club yeah. and was a good athlete and a good doubles player. And, like, one of my players, Theo Petzolas Fox, was first okay. team All-State first doubles. Yeah. He never picked up a racket until March. Just this big hulking kid with a big serve and a volley. Couldn't hit a backhand to save his life. It's amazing. They were first team All-State. He also played soccer. Today, that kid would just play soccer. So we still have the quality, you know, players, but the numbers are down. It's too bad, you know. Not, you know lacrosse is killed. Everybody plays lacrosse. Well, wait till they start pickleball teams. In and pickleball. You know, this is going to happen. Yeah. I know. I mean, I tell everybody, I mean, tennis is, you know, well, we can go into all of that stuff. Tennis is, you know, it's still an international, one of the, you know, a huge sport internationally, bigger internationally than a lot of sports. Soccer, it's tennis, football, not yet, all those things. And people get so excited about pickleball, but I'm like, let's, you know, it needs to get into the school system. All these things need to happen for that. But uh, I think, t for, well, we're still 90, our facility is still 99% tennis. There's a ton of kids that want to play. There's a ton of kids that are interested in trying out. So I still think tennis is really going to be the driver. And I, the only reason why pickleball will be successful is the parents are looking for a scholarship somewhere. So they'll want to get, all right, we have an option to get, oh, this kid can't compete in tennis. Let's go to pickleball because it's the aptitude's a little easier. The barrier to entry is a little easier. Maybe we can get a scholarship over here because right. they'll start doing that. Um, but let's go back a little bit and you know, you said you started in 92. How did it all come about? How did you acquire the job? Were you interested in the job? Or sometimes these jobs just fall in your lap and say, hey, coach, can you do it? How did that start? Yeah, so I kind of knew I wanted to coach in college. Uh, our coach was the athletic director, so he couldn't come to most practices. So as the captain, I ran practices with the team. And I kind of felt like, wow, this is kind of something I wouldn't mind doing someday. And my first job was at Trinity Pauling School, which is a boarding school. And in New York, and Juan Bacardi was our first singles player from Bacardi Rum. Oh, okay, <laughs> look at that. Um, and we were okay, but I was the varsity coach there, and I enjoyed it a lot. And then I came to Del Warden, and I was the middle school coach for two years, which actually I didn't realize that was how it was going to work, but it did. I'm like, well, okay, let's, and it was a good thing, because I coached under Steve Diamond, oh, yeah. who, you know, was one of the top pros in New Jersey for years. It was an excellent tactical coach, so I learned a lot from him. Then he left, and I took over the program. Um, so that's how I got to coaching at Del Barton. So it was your idea to come up with the Brian Bennett tournament, correct? Yes. And that started in 94, correct? Correct. 
And is that probably one of the the ones you want to win every year? Probably one of the most because it's close to the heart. Everybody doesn't, you know, you could tell the story if everybody doesn't yeah, know. Yeah, it is, but. and I think my guys feel, you know, obviously they're representing Del Barton at our tournament, and it's interesting. It's a harder tournament to win than the tournament champions. It's usually more competition. All the best teams are there. Yeah. And once you get down to six teams, sometimes two or three of those teams aren't even in the top ten, right? Um, just how it breaks down. But we usually have. Um, the top six to eight teams in the entire state in our tournament. So we've all, we've won it twice. Um, it's hard to win. <laughs> <laughs> and Newark Academy's won it many yeah. times. Yeah. So. Speaking of coaching, you started into this, you get into this. Did you go, all right, I, I like coaching. Was there any particular books, anything you were reading? Does anything come out to mind that you said, all right, this really helped me out a lot learning-wise? Uh, anything in particular or, and, like, uh, Anything in particular you say, boy, this is a fantastic read or a fantastic book that someone should read if they want to get into coaching? Yeah, I thought about that. Um, you know, there are a couple books I read connected to tennis. I'm more of, I read a lot of history books. I'm a history teacher. Yeah. So I mostly read nonfiction history books. People make fun of me because I'm on the beach reading, like, <laughs> the Battle of Gallipoli or something. What are you doing? <laughs> like, that's what I'm interested in. Um, you know, I read, obviously, I read Winning Ugly, Brad Gilbert. I also read another book, which I can't remember the title of a guy who hurt his shoulder, and then he had to teach left-handed. Hmm. And he realized how hard it is to play tennis left-handed. And he's like, well, that's how my student feels. I've also been a teaching pro for years. And so that made me really think, like, yeah, think about that. You switch to left hand, that's how your student feels when they show up for a lesson, yeah. never really playing before. But actually, my wife is a social worker and um, teaches mindfulness and uh, support groups, or she used to. Now she's uh, raising our two kids. but. A lot of my stuff as far as how I relate to kids comes from all the stuff she's read. And it opened up my eyes. You know, I, I kind of had a very set formula on how you discipline kids, how you run a class, how you run a practice. And I realized, in talking to my wife and all the reading she's done, not every kid fits into that hole, right? Yeah. And it changed me as a teacher and a coach because I tried to make every kid, like, this is how we do it. Yeah. It doesn't work for every kid. So there's no set book that I could say that she... All of her research and reading, she's impacted me dramatically in how I deal with kids. I agree. I mean, I'm a voracious reader. I love it. But it could be all different. It could come from any different area of life. You could learn. I mean, there's so Talk about. I mean, there's so many different books between Ryan Holiday and uh, Radical Acceptance from all these different books in regards to just patience. That's what you definitely need as a coach. It's definitely not as tactical. You know, the inner game of tennis is great for learning how to do kind of, learning how to relax during the process of playing, but there are so many other books that you could read in regards to just, as a coach, just exercising patience and understanding and, and empathy because every kid is different. And that's the problem is you start to paint everything with the same brush. And if you do that, you're gonna lose 60 to 70% of the kids, and that's a big issue. Um, so season starts, you're, you said you have 30 trying out. Uh, do you have 30 this year trying out, you think? Yeah. And you're gonna, you probably will keep them all just because of the way it is? Uh, we don't know yet. Um, we'll have to see. We also have five new tennis courts that they just built. That's awesome. And a new field house. And we're going to have our own locker room for the first time. Look at that. Which will be nice. The courts aren't, aren't ready, unfortunately, by next week, but they'll eventually be ready. So you never know. We could theoretically keep a bigger team yeah. with more courts. Uh, we'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it. But, you know, we have varsity and JV trials where some kids are going to the varsity. Some kids are going to the junior varsity. I used to have everybody try it as a group. 
then I kind of realized you got a kid who's barely played playing Michael Zhang in yeah. a challenge match. It's kind of silly. Yeah. And no other sport does that. You can choose freshman, JV, or varsity. So now I give the kids the choice, and it's up to them. Yeah. And I like to think, like, my experience as a player, I felt tryouts were often unfair. Like, high school, I played doubles. I never had a chance to play any of the singles players in a challenge match. But in college, I could beat them when we played for fun in the summer. So I have a very, very, very fair tryout. Like, I've worked with kids, lessons, and I, they'll tell me after the first day of practice, like, I'm like, how'd you do? He's like, oh, I'm on the JV. I'm like, really? How'd you do in your challenge matches? I didn't play any. The coach watched us hit and split us in half. I never do that. And I want every kid, no matter who they are, to feel like they got a fair chance. So we, we do like a round-robin tournament, challenge matches, play a set. Eventually, the top four play best out of three, and then we worry about doubles combinations. But um, I don't go by UTR. I know schools that don't even let kids try out if they don't have a certain UTR ranking. I'm so against that. Yeah. You know, you know there's kids who are pretty good who don't have a UTR ranking. It gets manipulated. I've seen kids yeah. change their last names for the UTR. <laughs> they do it. Wow. And they change it, and they say, I'll play, coach, but I'm going to change my last name. I'm like... It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. But listen, it's been great. Thank you for the time. Um, anything you'd like to say in regards to anything on your mind, coaching-wise, what you think kids, if they're doubting themselves, anything that you've come across, any words of wisdom you can give because everybody wants to make their team. Everyone wants to be able to be successful in some way. Anything you have to say to them? For a, a kid, kid trying yeah. Um, I think the advice I usually give people, because I have a lot of people ask me that question, either kids I'm working with giving lessons to, I don't really give lessons much anymore, but I used to, or people I know, um, I always tell them, number one, be in shape, because a lot of coaches, I, we have double sessions, so you do drills and conditioning, and then you're playing a challenge match, so if you're exhausted from the drills and conditioning, you're not going to do very well, so people don't think, people don't realize, you know, what how much athleticism and conditioning and strength goes into being a top tennis player. All my players who went to the next level was largely conditioning, right? They got stronger, they got quicker. I mean, Michael Zink's footwork was unbelievable. It looked like he wasn't even trying out there. He's getting to every ball with ease. So I tell them you gotta work on plyometrics and abdominals and sprints and jumping rope and running stairs. And that's huge for tryouts, I think, regardless of how tough it is. Um, I always tell them play as many matches as possible because most coaches are gonna have you play a challenge match. So you could be one of the best players in the drills. I used to dominate drills, and I'd lose the matches. Yeah, I, know the I never matches lost a warm-up. People are like, oh, you, you were so good in the warm-ups. What happened? Well, because I would try to overhit in matches yeah. and lose. So I tell the kids, you know, you could be a great practice player, but you got to play in tournaments or play in, at your club as many matches, play with your buddies out in the park, yeah. as many matches as you can, because tennis is the great equalizer because, you know, I coach soccer and basketball. There's a lot of subjectivity in there, right? Well, Johnny works hard. He hustles. Yeah. Tennis is, is a ladder. Yep. And you can go up the ladder, down the ladder. The coach can't fudge that. Well, they're not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I also tell them, you know, come in shape, match play, and choose your pro wisely. You know, I've had kids who clearly, they had no shot at singles, right? Particularly when we had three nationally ranked players, right? You have to have a sense of that. All right. Most kids play doubles. All JV is now doubles. Four of the seven starters in varsity are doubles. So you want to find a pro who's going to work on your doubles game. I had this one player, Tom Fickinger, who couldn't win a singles match. He went to work with a pro. The guy worked on his doubles game for a year, started second doubles, and lost one match the entire year with his partner and made it. Yeah. 
but I, those are the three things. I, be in shape, play a lot of matches, find a good pro who's going to get you ready. That's a great point in regards to, you know, because in basketball or in soccer, you can fill a, knit, a niche. In, te in tennis, the doubles part is about that. Like, you, in singles, you have to really do everything. Or you can minimize, do a couple things, have a great serve and a big, big forehand, but it's very hard to find that, you know, either you're doing everything or you're not because you're out there by yourself. My, uh, my last question is then parents. Not, I don't want you to say anything to them. I'm just saying how is the balance? Like, do you... Between, listen, between good feedback and people like, how many parents trust the process and how many feel like they want to, you know, what's the balance between micromanaging the trying the process or trusting your process of saying, hey, I think you've got enough of a, a pedigree now and a history to say, hey, they trust your, how was in the beginning when you're coaching? Was there a, a balance between, hey, coach, I think you should do this, I think you should do that? I mean, wh what's that balance in feedback? I've been lucky. I've had really good parents that I've worked with. Very few have crossed that line. Um, you know, tennis is a weird sport because there's no dugout. There's no bench. You're just by the court, so anybody can sidle up to you and give them give you two cents. And, you know, people obviously do that from time to time. Like, hey, you should tell my son to hit it to his back end. Boy, I never thought of that. Um, <laughs> but, Boy, you're such a genius. Exactly. But I, um, I think um, parents, and I've learned this as a parent too, right, with my two kids, the more you try to help your child, the worse you make it. Like, they don't want to talk about the match. They don't want you, they don't want your input, usually, particularly after a big loss. Don't talk about it in the car ride. Leave them alone. You know, let the coach figure out this process. And then after you let it go, if you feel like something's unfair, yeah. I'm always, I always tell the kids, I should talk to you first, not an email or phone call from your mom or dad. I agree. You speak to me as an adult. And then if you don't feel that went well, more than happy to talk to your parents. But it shouldn't be the first contact, an angry email from your parents. I also tell them, don't email me because you can't take that back. Like, you can send an angry email. Why did I make the team? Or why am I, why did I get an F on this test? You can't take that back. Like, wait 24 hours, see me in person, talk about it. And you'll be surprised. We can... You know, almost always when I have a face-to-face -face conversation with a kid, they realize, okay, this is where he's coming from. I didn't understand that. I can deal with this. Um, so, yeah, I think hopefully parents can just trust the process, let their kids do it on their own, yeah. and be supportive. Yeah. Coach, it's been great. I've learned a ton. Thanks. Glad Steve. we finally could talk. Yeah, this is great. It's awesome, and I'll, uh, I'll definitely, if the weather's good, be at the Brian Bennett. We're trying to get court time over here in case it rains. Try to do the as a reservation date, but uh, great. Good luck with the season. It's great Thanks. to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Nice to talk to you. Thanks, everybody. It was fun. Thanks. It's awesome, man. Hey, everybody. Hope you liked the podcast. Please share it with your friends, anybody that you know, anybody that's into tennis, anybody that's into bettering themselves, share it.